Andy Bush here with your Hometime Show podcast. I've been flying solo this week. Uh, Richie's been on his holiday, so it's definitely been more of a workload for me and everything like that. I'm not, not asking for any sympathy, fishing for sympathy, that kind of thing. But what I do want you to know is that during the course of the programme you're about to hear, I put me back out. And uh, I've been crawling around on the floor like the Hoff, just in jeans and cowboy boots. It's the worst thing ever, putting you back out. An absolute nightmare. Is there any way to put it back in again? Any suggestions on how I can sort me back out bar wearing a corset? I'd love to wear a corset just to straighten me out a little bit. Uh, I'm willing to take any advice, anything, any remedies going, anything, even if it means bathing naked in a lake and putting moss on my nipples. I'm putting that out there right now. I'll do anything, even if it's a medieval cure. Uh, get in touch now and tell me about it. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. Thank you. Here's the show. The Hometime Podcast with Bush and Richie. It's what happens when you take out all the music, travel, news, regular news and adverts from the show. Unfortunately, it still contains the two of them talking. It is April the 1st, though. Am I miserable? Am I miserable so-and-so that I hate April Fool's Day? I can't bear it. It's, it's not like us lot ruining it. It's when companies get involved. Do you know what I mean? And it's always the same with anything. They see people having a good time companies and they're like someone with a jumper over their shoulders and deck shoes at a bar come around and put their arms around you with like a bottle of uh, Peroni, try and get involved. A bit like that, do you know what I mean? Like trying to make you believe that they're going to turn ketchup green and all that kind of thing. Just end up rolling me ice. But look, seeing as it is April Fool's Day today, April the 1st, let me ask you this question, right? Uh, what things about modern life could easily be a practical joke if April 1st is about practical jokes, for etc. Uh, for example, uh, Keefe says, uh, working out what can go in the recycling bin. That can seem a bit ridiculous and ludicrous sometimes, I'll give you that. And Andy, this is quite controversial, Andy has tweeted to say, uh, cans of corned beef. Now, he's obviously alluding to the fact that you need a key to get into a, a tin of corned beef, even to this day. I actually like the jeopardy of it. The fact that you, sometimes the key might break and you just can't get in and that's the end of it. You just have to walk away. Don't let it get you because it'll eat you up big time. So here's the question to start the show tonight. What things about modern life could easily be a practical joke, seeing as it is April Fool's Day? Uh, Dave says, ringing a doorbell in Lewisham and the homeowner says hi to you, explaining that they can see you whilst they're in Tenerife. That's interesting, isn't it? That's an unusual one. It's a good point. Those doorbells where people can see stuff from miles and miles. And then forget sitting behind someone on the train and they were just checking through all the doorbells of the three or four different properties they owned. That's quite weird, isn't it? Uh, Craig Jones says on Twitter, the fact that pizza is round, but it comes in a square box, yet we cut it in triangles to eat. What's going on there? Matt has now replied to him. There's a whole sub-conversation going on on Absolute Radio's Twitter at the moment. Matt says, I guess because traditionally, you know, spinning it in the air, you ain't going to get that square shape. And cutting a circle into strips is just weird. And round boxes are expensive to make. He adds, not that I've thought about it at all, ever. Clearly being on people's minds. I've never really thought about it until Craig brought it up. Uh, let's go to the phones and say hi to Phelpsy. Phelpsy, what thing in life is a practical joke to you, mate? Yeah, we get, we get to the supermarket and then we've got to be our own checkout person. I mean, we've got to bag it, we've got to scan it, we've got to ask someone that works there to take the, the tag off our, our whiskey. I mean, they've got us, and then we fall for it, and we do it without complaint. It's got to be a joke, that one. Do you know what? I don't like the whole security tag thing on bottles of whiskey. I drink quite a bit of scotch. I do love a, a single malt in the evening and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and it always draws attention to the fact that like, you feel like a massive alky when, you, when someone has to come over and lock your little, unlock the top yeah, of your bottle of yeah, booze for you. Yeah, can't they do that in a more kind of, can't you go inside like a tent? 
you know, so you know, you know, in American like, football, when uh, someone has a head injury and they have to go and checked out for get checked out for a concussion, <laughs> it's like a private medical tent. Can't we take exactly. our booze in there and get it unlocked? Look, well, you know, no one really uses that photo booth thing in the corner for passports. You should go in there and just exactly. be conspicuous, and it should be something in there just to itself. Well, this is an amazing idea, right? So we'll be on Dragon's Den with this, Phelpsy. I've never seen anyone have their their photo taken in one of them photos. Yeah, it's got just another room where all the all the people that love a bit of drink can go, and we can open our open our own tax and have a chat about whiskey. Perfect. Yeah. What about that? Sit down there, pull the curtain, drop your bottle in there. Someone unlocks it for you. Maybe you listen to a bit of music, and off you go. Exactly. What more could you want? I mean, yeah, it's the next steps. The evolution of shopping. We found it. Uh, it's April 1st, April Fool's Day. So I'm asking you the question, seeing as it is April Fool's Day, what in modern life could be perceived as one big practical joke? I've got Ben on the line. Ben, what is it in your opinion? Time. Basically, time. Everybody, says that everybody says there isn't enough time and, and everybody says they're running out of time. And, you know, things like time at the bar. But clocks never stop. So there's always time. Time's frequent. <laughs> And, and it just bothers me when people say they're running out of time or you're not in time for something. Well, in my mind, if I'm 10 minutes late for something, there's still time for me to get there. Does that make sense? I like that. It's, it's almost like you have your own ethos and approach to time and space, uh, Ben, which yeah, I respect. Absolutely. Well, I think, I think we, we all should, shouldn't we? Because I think, you know, if, if we're bound by time, then nobody would get anything done, you know, or... I've had a long week, if I'm honest. So I'm just kind of, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm, my brain's hurting my own head. So um, it's, yeah, it's but fun. time. I, I just don't think time's a real thing, and I think we should count it as not a real thing. All right, and you're going to be all right this evening. You're not going to start barricading yourself in the house or anything like that, or? Well, no, no, it's, it's okay because it's warm enough to go and sit in the garden and have cold beer. So that that's my Do next that. plan. Go and sit on, in the so. garden. Top off, handkerchief on your head, and just have a have a Peroni this evening, and just just don't worry about time or anything like that. Well, I've got I've got plenty of time, so it's all good. <laughs> good man. Thought we'd use today for a very important consultation. I mean, we had the census the other day, but that was just boring stuff about how many people live in your house and what time do you have tea, stuff like that. I think. Uh, this one's more important. It's about um, the music that we play here, not only this radio station, but the entire family of radio stations here within the Absolute Radio tribe in many ways. So here's the question. Would you like to see tougher radio restrictions so that songs with days in them, e.g. Friday I'm in Love by The Cure, can only be played on the days referenced in the lyrics? Have a little think about that, because we do get quite a few messages in sometimes when we play Manic Monday or something by the Bangles. Always playing that, but you play it on a Wednesday. You think, well, no, it doesn't seem right, does it? So if there are any rules that you would like to bring in, and anything, this is just a consultation, so anything goes here. We're just brainstorming, yeah? But uh, if there's any rules that you'd like to bring in that make the day that a song is played more answerable to the content of the lyrics... I want to hear about it in this second hour of the Hometime Show tonight. There's already stuff coming through on our Facebook page. Steve Harrison says, Travis, why does it always rain on me? Could only and should only be played on wet days. That's a very good point. Seems weird if the sun's cracking the flags, doesn't it? Dale says, Blur's Sunday Sunday, in that case, can only be played on the second Sunday of any given month. All of these seem workable. Get involved now. A lot of people have been getting in touch saying, Bush, no, 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 hold on a second. Uh, the Cure mentioned quite a few of the days. Rob from The Cure, that's what I call him, um, mentioned loads of days before they get to Friday. But I feel that the other days of the week that are mentioned in Friday, I'm in love by The Cure, are just a preamble, support evidence before getting to the, 
the main bit, which is the Friday I'm in love bit of it. You know, like if you write an essay at school, first three quarters of that is is the other days of the week in that Cure song. The so to conclude is the Friday I'm in love. Don't want to get bogged down on it, but I just wanted to defend myself. Uh, Jim Wilson says, uh, what about then playing Ghostbusters and Thriller when it's not Halloween? And we're willing to look at all options. Maybe, sadly, some songs are going to have to get banned for a bit. Ronnie says, what happens to songs by groups like the Saturdays? Don't think we need to worry about them. Uh, Darren says, poor old Craig David has no chance. Well, I don't know, I don't know how to apply it with, to Craig David because obviously he does. He met that girl on Monday. You know how the song goes. Maybe maybe that's some kind of loophole to getting played each and every day, and maybe we'll end up having to play it by law. Again, this is just a consultation. Uh, Richard in Belfast says, I can't help but feel Blur's end of a century is going to be unfairly affected by this change in music policy. Let me explain. This is just a consultation. No rules are being decided, but would you like to see tougher radio restrictions so that songs that have got days in them or other content in them are only played on the days or time of the month or whatever that referenced in the lyrics? For example, Friday I'm in Love by The Cure. Uh, someone says here, uh, that means Prince 1999 can never be played again. That would be devastating. It would be devastating, but sometimes we're going to need a bit of tough love to get this legislation through. Uh, we've got Leanne on the line. Leanne, what's your view on this? I know it's not the kind of music you play, but when someone plays Will Smith Summertime and it's not summer, it just it's just wrong because it gives you summer vibes and there's no summer. That's a really, really good point, and that's one of the reasons why we're having this consultation today. Maybe maybe we sadly need to bring in uh, some restrictions, even though that song by Will Will Smith is a fantastic song. Maybe we just have to wait and just have it just purely in the summer when it seems applicable. Yeah, I think it needs to even have like a minimum temperature and a minimum amount of UV rays, then it can be played. <laughs> I like, I like a thermostat. So you put a certain, the Will, the Will Smith thermostat. I keep nearly saying Will Young, and it's completely not a Will Young song. The <laughs> Will Smith thermostat, it hits a certain temperature, it's activated. Uh, Nick says, should we then ban Phil Collins's No Jacket Required for any time apart from July and August? Any other time of the year is, of course, Big Coat Protocol. Don't get me started on that. And we've got Paul on the line, who's got a word of caution for a classic song. What is it, Paul? Literally, you have to remove the Beatles eight days a week completely. And that means any song that's got a factually inaccurate title could be a problem. I know, but I'm I'm split here, Paul. It's either you know we're going to have to have a bit of tough love to get this legislation through and make music more accurate and applicable, or we throw the whole thing out. I mean, wh- where do you stand on it? Yeah, I'm 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 fifty fifty down the middle, man. I just don't know. This is this is it. It's it's a real dilemma on a Thursday night, isn't it? It's it's a problem and no mistake. <laughs> If you insist on listening to them in your own time, then we can't really stop you. Okay, let's get on with it then. The Hometime Podcast with Bush and Richie. It's home time on Absolute Radio. Uh, great to have you on board. One of the hardest things during lockdown is not seeing family and friends. And I haven't set eyes upon the dear friend I'm about to introduce you to now for many a moon. And I can't wait to see her again. So it's a real honour to welcome back to the Home Time Show, Mel Gedroich. Oh, please. It's so... Listen, what do you look like? Do you look the same? Have you got facial hair? What's going on? I've got a bit of bearding going on. I've been cutting my own hair. So I look like I'm, I've been... Uh, do you remember Stig of the Dump? I feel like a little <laughs> bit Stig of the Dump. <laughs> What have you been doing with your hair, Mel? How, how have you been doing haircuts and stuff like that? I I feel so bad. I gave Ben, my partner, Ben, husband, I can say husband, my yeah. husband, um, I have given him the worst haircut known 
to mankind. And they were, I did it with clippers, and that's supposed to be kind of easy because you choose the measurement that you want the hair to turn out. There are yeah. eight different settings. So I thought, okay, we'll go for six on top, and we'll go for maybe three on the side. It, it looks like... It looks like something from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's, it's awful, gosh. I need to trim it. It's full of sort of flyaway bits. Have Do you, you know, well, my mum my and dad have got this thing. Um, my mum has even sent me a photo of it, weirdly, because we were talking about it last night. She's got a yeah. comb that's got blades in it that she bought in the 80s that you can brush your hair and cut it at the same time. That's what she's been doing. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> that's really sinister. Isn't it? I mean, who like that? Well, I'll, I'll lend it to you if you want to. If you, next time you're doing Ben's hair, I'll pop it in the post. You can you can give him a little uh, grade three all over or whatever it turns out to be. That, that's so funny. It reminds me of a, there's a certain knit comb that you can buy, which um, you run it through the person's hair, and it sends us an electric <laughs> an electric shock. It's an electric comb, and it buzzes the knits. It bl- it blams oh. them. I love that. I love that. Well, we'll do a little swap, swap them over. But um, let's go back to kind of the start of the lockdown, Mel. Just, just I think just before lockdown got going, you were spending a lot of time quite mysteriously at Ealing Library. And we were we were having a couple of chats, just making sure you're OK. Maybe you're just trying to keep warmer. At one point, I put £50 in an envelope was going to send it. I thought, no, hold on, let's find out what's going on. It turns out you were doing a book. I was, but it was, and it's really, I, oh, my sense of time has gone so fudgy, sort of what was going on before the first lockdown. But yes, so it was winter 2019, uh-huh. um, and I used to get on my bike every, do you want the detail? I'm going to give you the detail. I want the detail, I got, yeah. I got on the bike every morning, Monday to Friday, at quarter to nine. I arrived in the library, outside the library, five to nine, parked my bike. I was the first in the queue. I had to be the first in the queue. And then I went in and I had to sit in the same chair every day. It became obsessional. And I sat there for probably nine till one every day. If you left your seat for a second, somebody else would nick it, basically. Cutthroat, it's cutthroat down there. It's cutthroat. You had to stay in the seat. Um, And that's uh, that's how I bashed out the first draft. I mean, I tried writing at home, but, oh, man. I mean, it's it's quite hard working at home, isn't it? You must be feeling this. There are too many distractions, you know. It was like... Oh, I'll just I'll just line those drawers with lavender paper. That needs to be done. <laughs> or oh, I'll just I'll just demoth my shoe collection. You know, it was all that stuff going on. So I thought, nah, I've got to leave. I've got to get on my bike and leave the house. Um, but I oh, I love that library. I tell you what, I I love libraries in general. But that it was so nice, honestly. It's got a special place in your heart. And, and now the, 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 the fruit of your work is out today. The Best Things, your debut novel. Yeah. Uh, and it's an amazing thing. Just what you need uh, in times like this, kind of a gorgeous story about a family going through going through the ringer, but coming out the other side and being better for it as well. Um, you must be so, I must be so proud. To, like, have you got a copy of it yet? And then like, if you, do, do they give you like a special, just a hot off the print version of it? Or how does it work? Yes. Do you know what? This is really weird. You're the first person I've told this to. So they send you, I mean, you know this, you've, you've had lovely books out and stuff. And they send you a few, like hot off the press. And I took one and I, I took it to bed with me. <laughs> just read it again yourself, just for a rerun. Is that, no, is that weird? I just wanted to sort of smell it and, and kind of flick, flick through the pages. 
Um, oh, I tell you what, though, uh, there's no. It's probably not a good thing to do because immediately you alight on a page and you think, oh God, that sentence is very clunky. Oh dear. Oh no, that doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it on the shelf. But I feel really so excited that it's out today. Oh, I'm slightly sort of um, goosebumping. Actually, it feels really lovely. I mean, I, you know, obviously the the bookshop. Obviously, the bookshops aren't open yet, but hopefully in, you know, 11 days or whatever, they will be and people will be going to bookshops and sort of, you know, wanting to, to get new books. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. Well, you're, you're in it. You're in it. I've always thought you're kind of an expert people watcher. Your brain is like that bit in Sherlock Holmes, which zooms in on the little details of clothes, particularly shoes, I think, for you is a big thing. The, the lead character, Sally Parker, is she a composite of people that you've seen or is she based on someone in particular? So I think with all the characters, and and um, I don't know about you, Bush. I think I think we're quite similar, actually. I always have a little cast of characters in my head, pretty much yeah. the whole time. And yes. some are floating, some are floating through, some stay, some leave, some you want to meet again. You know, they're always there in your brain, aren't they? So I would say with all the characters in the book, and it is quite a big cast of characters, it's a big family, and then there's lots of kind of peripheral characters as well. Um, they're pretty much all kind of amalgams of people I've met, people I've heard on the tube. or um, People in the library, you know, people in Ealing Library, do you think as well? People in, I think there is one actually that's quite, I'm trying to think which character it is. No, I, I was about to lie and say, yes, there's a character from the library. There is, of course. There isn't. <laughs> but there is, there is one character in the book who shall remain. There is one character in the book who shall remain absolutely nameless, who is based on somebody that I used to know. And I'm really scared. I'm quite scared, actually. Because it's not, it's, not, it's not one of the nicer characters. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, that must be quite cathartic, though, getting it off your, getting like, you know, oh, getting it off your yeah. chest a little bit and putting, putting annoyance with someone that you've dealt with previously into, into a kind of slightly unlikable character, into, into a bit of fiction. Oh, do you know what I mean? So, so fun, Bush, and there's a sort of group of quite toxic young mummies um, who are they friends? Are they not friends? I won't say too much about that. Um, around Sally Parker. So there's local mums that she knows from the school circuit, the charity circuit, the gym, all that kind of thing. And they were so fun to write. They're, they're, yeah, writing a good old toxic character is really fun. Um, uh, and it's your, fir your first go at fiction. Is, is that right? Is it harder than... Is fiction harder writing than anything else, would you say? I found the plot really, really quite hard I, I think for, yeah I think it, in some ways it is and in some ways it isn't I mean I've got all these characters buzzing around that's not a problem but I find ordering it and finding a good plot finding a good plot is really really hard I think and I think that's kind of why you get repeated plots you know you get films that sort of have the same plot don't you you kind of go oh that's just like blah blah I, I think it's really hard to come up with a really good plot there's a writer a crime writer called robert goddard who i love who i mean god knows how he does it but every novel that he writes and he's written about 32 has an extraordinary plot and you just go yeah. oh my god i i don't know maybe it's you just need that kind of brain 
I need to go you, to sort of, I need to I need to do a plot course or something. <laughs> um, a uh, open university or uh, BTEC in plot. <laughs> a BTEC That'd in be plot. Hard, isn't it? That'd be it's so good. Odd. But you'll be your dad. Your dad, Michael, wrote an amazing book, Crater's Edge, about his experiences as a child in the Second World War. So you've got kind of book yeah. writing in the family. Did you kind of feel that it was your destiny? It was always there? Oh, well, my dad was a real inspiration, actually. And he didn't start writing that book till he was about 80, actually. Um, so yeah, it was mulling and simmering. And it is one heck of a plot. And the plot is quite scarily all real because it's what happened to him in Siberia and then coming out of Siberia in the Second World War when he was a child. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think I always found Dad quite inspiring. He was very disciplined. He had the neatest desk in the entire <laughs> world and he would love to sort of move the pencil sharpness so that it was exactly perpendicular with the ruler, you know, and he would have the paper clips all lined up that's what scared me about you writing a book, though, Mel, is because obviously we you know we've done quite a lot of work together, and I, I've I, you've shared your MacBook screen with me when we've tried to get oh. you online with certain things, and your your MacBooks run out of memory, or the, you've got the the whirling swirling thing of death where it's frozen, and I feared for your documentation at many points during the book writing process. Oh, boss, bless you for caring. I I did. I had one absolutely sort of ghastly moment. I think it was sort of middle of draft one and I thought I'd lost the whole darn lot. Oh um, my word. Yeah, that that was that <laughs> re- that yeah, that was that was horrific actually. That was horrific. But then it was something very, very simple. As you well know Bush, I'm not the best with tech. Neither am I, neither am I. I'm not, I'm not one to, to cast aspersions here because I'm just as bad. And just going back to your dad's book, he, there's a lovely bit at the end where he describes your mum as the invisible co-author, keeping him in check. Was there, was there a family member or friend that you, you got advice from when you were writing uh, The Best yeah. Things? Do you know what? My brother was actually um, brilliant because he, many, many moons ago, 20 years ago, uh, used to work in finance and... The, uh, the main character's husband, Frank Parker, is a hedge fund manager. And I know absolutely nothing about the financial world. Um, yeah. So my brother, I spoke to a lot because I wanted it to be kind of believable. It's got to be believable, you know, and I, I picked his brains. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, but nobody except for a pal, one pal had actually written, uh, nobody except for one friend had read the first draft I don't think I showed it to one person um, oh wow I, oh, yeah I just thought oh, this is too raw it's very raw writing a novel you know it's very very raw very 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 raw so the, the, the book is out today <laughs> uh, any yeah. any other Mel stuff that's out on the horizon at the moment though Mel um, so what's going on um, I made a show for Channel 4 and I think it's going to be out very soon um, called Good With Wood and oh. it's, a, it's a competition show, uh, Last Person Standing, you know, like Glow Up or Bake Off, one of those. And it's woodworkers competing against each other in a beautiful forest in Wales. Um, so much fun. So, um, well, I mean... Is this I the one where you, you sent me a photo of you <laughs> in a golf buggy on the grounds of a stately home? Is that, is that what that was? <laughs> yes, Bush. Yes, it was. There were was 60 it. of us. There were 60 of us quarantined, you know, making the show, the whole production team, all the woodworkers. 
and we lived like in, in this mad sort of circus for five weeks and made this show. So, um, how many how many COVID tests do you think you've done overall, Mel? In in this in this twelve months, I'm saying to you, Bush, I'm on about four a week at the moment. Wow, that's a lot. Of, you must be an absolute dab hand. Do you know the way people can put contact lenses in without even looking in the mirror anymore? How <laughs> can you like that? Do you know what? Somebody gave me a really good tip down at the town hall, which oh, is our I... local testing centre, and they said, well, two things. One is, like in the 1970s when you went to the doctor and he or she said, can I look down your throat? You go, ah. Uh, if you go, ah, uh, your tongue does not get in the way of the swab thing. So oh. that's a good tip. And also, um, you know the long brushy thing that, that you get the, uh, you know, you brush it around your tonsils. Don't go in centrally, creep it in from the side, and then you won't gag. Fantastic. Some pro tips there. Yeah, creep it in from the side, and then swab, 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 up, down, up, down, up, down. Not side to side, go up, down, up, down, and then you won't gag. That is fantastic, Mel. I'm going to take that on board because I've only done a couple of them and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Because you know what it was, right? I threw up over a doctor when I was a kid because uh, he put the... Um, do you remember they used to put the ice lolly, wooden ice lolly stick on the back of your throat? Yes, yes. And he did He yes. did that on me and I threw up over him. And ever since then, I've had, I've had an absolute phobia of anything like that. So the whole COVID swab thing is just driving me crazy. Oh, but it, well, listen, try the two tips. Try the old, uh, like that. That keeps the tongue, you know, out of play, and then go in from the side. Just we'll see how you do. Yeah, great okay. life advice for us all, there, Mel. I appreciate that. Uh, in other exciting news, I'm going to be chatting to you and fellow author Rachel Joyce about your new books for the Tring Book Festival, which is online on Zoom. It's going to be ace. That what can possibly go wrong? Oh, listen, I'm really excited about that bush, and I haven't seen you in 3D. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's been so long. It's going to be so lovely to see you on that Zoom. And, you know, hopefully, Blooming, see you in 3D at some point. Literally cannot wait, Mel. It's going to be fantastic. I'll tweet out the link uh, uh, in a sec about the uh, Tring Book Festival. That'd be awesome. But the main thing is, the best things is out today. Uh, It's amazing. Go and buy it. A welcome slice of escapism during the madness. Uh, Mel Gedroyce, thank you so much. Oh, Bush, such a pleasure to talk to you. And don't, yeah, don't throw up over your swabbing. And, yeah, that email address again. Thanks for listening. Hometime at absoluteradio.co.uk. If you have any amazing uh, cures, remedies for bad backs, I'm your man. Need your help this weekend. It's the Easter Bank Holiday Weekend. Give me a break. You've been listening to The Home Time Show on Absolute Radio. When you go home, you've been listening to The Home Time Show. The, the last, last bit, bit of, of the no guarantee. guarantee. Soon May your tea will come. You can watch TV in your tracky bottoms. Until then, we'll play you songs and maybe send you a tea towel. The Home Time Show is about the Essex Loop, the bird invasion, and I hate for Bing. The Home Time Show, we speak of pundit shoes and Last called Leona. Soon may your tea will come. You can watch TV in your tracky bottoms. Until then, we'll play you songs and maybe send you a tea towel.